found it later. And here, Diane had sent it to me earlier. I didn't catch it in a text. And man, oh man, that's uh, huh. okay. Oh yeah, wow. I have had several blessings already today, just little little things that, you know, the things that, uh, you know, the Lord sends you that um, just touch you. Yep. So, um, I, I know he wants to touch us all the time like that. And when you just have those talks, Wait and see what's coming. Slow down a little bit. Pay attention. Because if you're too busy and you're in too much of a hurry, you'll miss them. But if you slow down and you start just enjoying the simple things, you'll catch them and they'll stop you and they'll refresh you, refresh your soul. Psalms 24 I, um, this has been uh, what I sent my comfort text out of this week. Um, and it, it began because right before we started um, worship last week, had this really, um, it would have been an, an interruption uh, at the moment. It wasn't the time, but I, I had such a desire to, before we worship, like, Pay attention to this, and it was, um, it's it's the it's the revelation that's in this chapter in chapter twenty four of Psalms, and and it talks about and and it's been in the language of our worship songs forever. I mean, remember um, the one delirious song we used to sing? Open wide the gates and da 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 da. What was the name of the song? Fling, fling wide, swing. Wide. Yeah, yeah, you haven't, yeah. Um, Martin Smith wrote it, and Delirious did it, and we sang it for a long time at, at church. Maybe I should dig that out again. We sing these songs at times. I've caught myself this happening to me several times. We sing something with all our heart, like it's a nice phrase, and it's a great tune, and, you know, we're in the atmosphere of presence, and we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> but we're so, Phil is like, but we're so in seed. That, yeah, yeah, that, that would be the benefit. I think that's, yeah. Yep, that's probably, that is so true. Sometimes you have no idea what you're sowing. Pray it's good. Even if it's out of, you know, your, I don't know what this is, but sow it anyways, huh? Because a good seed takes fruit. That's good, Phyllis. That was great. So the Passion Translation came out. It's starting to catch this, but I always had this big question. And it shows up, and we're going to start in the beginning of the chapter, but just jump ahead for the context of why I'm going here. And it starts in verse 7. It says, Wake up, you living gates. Lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destiny. Welcome the king. Their king of glory comes in. And um, just uh, so that it's familiar, this, um, my King James, um, New King James in Psalms 24, the we might be a little more familiar with the words, word out of that, the wording out of that. And uh, it's, um, lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift, be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And I, I remember how often I've looked at that and prayed it, and, you know, it was part of the prayer movement. And like, this was a predominant verse. 
uh, passage in scripture, and I'm like, am I getting this? What, what are the gates? Have you ever stopped and go, what are the gates anyways? What, what are the, you know, lift up your heads. What, what? And, and in the Passion Translation, he says, so wake up you living gateways, and all of a sudden it's, it's the fingers is on us. Live up, open up, wake up the living gateways, you know, lift up your heads, you ageless doors. And um, I think it goes on to the, the next verse again in, um, or a verse later, verse 9. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. And um, you realize, oh, and so what, I, what I've, I've had this revelation brewing, and I, and I wanted to share it before worship, but it's always appropriate, that it's like, when you worship, you are the gates and you are the, you know, the head, like you lift up your heads and you lift up your hands and you, you rejoice in, 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 in front of him and to him, towards him. And you're, you're calling something like this. So, so I spent, as I did the comfort text this week, I literally went through, I started at a certain point in, in this chapter and started doing a verse or two at a time, and a comment. And I found that there was something that I'm like, what's that? A little bit of a hesitation. I know you're going to think I'm not saved, but anyways, this, this thing about welcome the king of glory. And it was a little bit hard to write down like this, Jesus is coming, like to express it. And I... I became more, as the week went on, and I'm looking at this, and I'm sitting, should I, is this a comfort text? Is this not, like, does this, is this, I'm always praying, like, is this something significant with a prayer and hope that it will touch somebody somewhere as it just goes out? You just sow the, sow the seed. It's always good to sow the seed. And as the week went on, I became more aware. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to share on this, but I need to get my heart like there's something here, a hesitation. Why is this here? And I realized with, um, you'll, you all know Phyllis really, really studies and researches um, the second coming and Jesus coming and end times and those, those kind of things. And I kind of stay back from that. And it's not that I don't know all these scriptures and have looked at this through the years, but um, there's a there was a, there's a disappointment and a conflict about all the different teachings on the return of Christ. Yeah, it can make a poor soul go whoo, like whoa, like that's like I don't know, you know. So I. I began to check out, like it got disheartening. I, well, there was a lot of conflict. If I would read about it, I just would have this. This is, I'm just, real confession here. And um, I was listening to a man on Elijah Streams not, named Nathaniel French. I think that's his name, Nathan French. Nathan. He's a really neat guy. Like, he's new to me. But he was talking about ministering in Hawaii. And he just, I heard him say this this week, and he said, we're, he says, I found that in the people, like he's ministering to the Hawaiians, Hawaiians, not the tourists. So that's, you know, that's a uh, indigenous people, you know, native people there. He's ministering to them. And he said, hope deferred is one of the biggest enemies that we have to deal with when we're ministering to them. It's one of the big strongholds 
the disappoint, hope deferred, things that never came to pass, things that never happened. And you're like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm sit, I listen to him make that phrase. I'm like, yeah. We actually have a lot of hope deferred issues. The, point, the question is, have you recognized them? Because they'll eat away at your passion. Yeah. Pretty soon, you're still showing up. That's good. That's great. Keep showing up. But the expectation you've like, have you ever caught yourself saying, you know, hey, were you disappointed about that? No, I've learned not to expect much. We guard, because this is like part of guarding our hearts. Like, what if it doesn't happen? I believed before it didn't happen. And I realized as I was, the more I looked at this, I'm like, I've got to deal with this issue. Like, I am not free to talk about this, the coming of Christ, the second coming. Like, I just, I've kind of, I've kind of taken it out of all my conversation. When you realize the Bible's full of it, you come to the conclusion, uh-oh, <laughs> that's not a good thing. And so I really looked, and I'm like, Lord, I've got to make a movement in my heart. I don't even know how to do that, so talk to Jesus. <laughs> he always helps you with this stuff. Like, you start confessing, he's like, I couldn't, I've been waiting for you to come to that, so... It's never a big surprise to him. He's like, what? What do you mean? You, you, you know, what do you mean? He's like, he's not surprised. Like, yeah, well, mm-hmm, I know, Rick. Yeah, I'm well aware. And so I looked at this and I, I'm going to share, and, and I may move on into um, next, next week with it. So I'm not going to be in a rush because the foundation of this is, is so good. So, Back to the beginning of, of, of the chapter in 24. And again, I'll read it out of this because we're so familiar with this. I quote, I say it all the time. I, it was funny. I'm like, where is that verse? And I look it up like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's the verse I'm looking at, only it's the living translation. I didn't recognize the words. And, and, the, and it's, the phrase is this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. So it's like, that's huge. And it's huge for us as believers to remember this because we have this feeling and this sense we're leaving, we're getting out of this place, deliver me out of here, and it's not mine. Do you feel that way about stuff that's yours, that's actually yours? You feel that way about your land? Someone starts pushing on you? What, what happens? Do you go, ah, eh, whatever, it's just a pain in the neck to mow anyways, take it. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm looking at you, and I'm remembering some stories. Like, we can get funny. Like, you think, you think you're a peaceful, calm person till you have land and someone messes with it. All of a sudden, what is it that comes out? It's like, it's like a woman that has a child, and all of a sudden, she is a bear. Like, you do not want to activate the mother protection that's in every woman. They will rip your face off and feed it to you if you're threatening their child. And before, they're like soft-spoken and sweet and whatever. Yeah, and I, I have some, yeah, I also have some stories as I look across you. Like, don't activate that thing. You'll wish you had never. 
And so I was getting this revelation, like I remember parts of this. It's really significant because I, I got it because I didn't have it. Like if you get something new, you go, oh, that's new. I didn't have that before. And I remember working on, I remember the foyer that was between the tent and the building out here. And um, at the time, Braveheart had come out. Is that right, Braveheart? Yeah. And the story of William Wallace, which was even a better story. And the, the stand they made to start fighting for the land and to start resisting coming up against this oppressive government, it was like, oh, yeah, there we are, we are again. And William Wallace starts like, no, not taking this anymore. And, and that's the whole story of Braveheart. And I remember um, on the, on, I would work during the day, and, and Craig, Chris and Craig would give me instructions, and I'd work all day, and some people would show up during the day. And, yeah, I remember what, we're building that same foyer. Like, Robbie Forbes stopped in one day and had, you know, we had a nail gun. There was a nail gun there, probably using Chris's nail gun. And we're working, and all of a sudden a nail goes through the, you know, the building. It was like a 10 by 20. And, and Robbie has the funniest look on his face when he's guilty of something. How many of you know that look? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we've all seen that look. Like, uh-oh, you know. And, um, yeah, he almost shot me in the head. Anyways, we're building it, and I, one, one afternoon, like I'm getting a revelation about William Wallace pounding shingles on this little short building. And I started to have a sense of, I would die for this land. Like, we were building on the land now. It wasn't just the property that was hope deferred because we couldn't seem to get a building put on this. I had to stand in my kitchen and look out at it all the time. I got weary of that. Like, when, Lord? Like, get rid of the thing. Let the building burn down so I just get rid of the vision that someday we're going to have a church here. Like, it was tormenting for me. And, 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 and yet, it, it just stayed there. I, no matter how much I fussed to the Lord, couldn't go forward, couldn't go backwards, couldn't walk away from it, couldn't walk into it. It's just like that's a frustrating thing. And when someone's going through that in their life, I feel for you. That's, it's hard. And, and I was, we were finally doing something. We are putting up a tent and building a little building and using an old barn to, you know. And, and I'm, I'm pounding shingles and I'm like, I'd die for this land. Like, this is a whole, I've never had this feeling like, this is my land. This is something that God gave. I'm, I'm staying on my land. And so we were, I was just in getting engaged. And when you understand that about the whole earth, the earth doesn't belong to the devil. It's the Lord's. And when I closed last week, I closed with a scripture out of Revelations chapter 5, verse 10, where that says, we will rule and reign, kings and priests. And that's a long way away from the running and hiding that we do. And, and so there's a whole other thing here that we need to grow into. And it, it's, it's the Lord's land for him. It's not our, but it's his. And he is ours, and we are his. And so you, it changes your perspective. And, and instead of being the tail, it'd be nice to be the head again. Like the righteous head, those that rule righteously. Do you love justice? I love justice. I'm like all messed up when I see injustice. I, it'll get me off track faster than anything. The Lord has, like, 
pull up, easy, watch your attitude, you know, whatever, because that injustice will really, you know, it, it affects you if you're someone that loves justice, loves things being right. And, and actually, it's a, it's a good thing in us. We just have to know how to manage it and what to do. Do something constructive with it, not destructive. And so this starts out with that, that the earth is the Lord's. God claims the world is his. Everything and everyone belongs to him. That's pretty conclusive. He's the one who pushed back the oceans and let the dry ground appear, planting firm foundations for the earth. Yep, that pretty much makes it his. Anybody that's pushing oceans around, creating land, you know, they, you're, it's yours. <laughs> you own it. You're manipulating it, creating it. It's, it belongs to you. You see somebody making something, you go, oh, that's your project. Well, this is God's project, the earth, and then he put us on that. We, we are his project. We belong to him. And in verse 3, who then, and then a question, who then ascends into the presence of this one that made this all? And the word ascend, it shows up in Psalms 23. In uh, verse 3, it says, that's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasures. And, and this ascends, sheep had this, it's in the notes, in um, um, Brian Simmons' notes in, in, in concerning this passage, in this passage in Psalms 23, that sheep will make, They'll work their way up a hill, and they'll keep going back there until there's a path established, and they, they work their way up. There's an ascension, even though it kind of looks like they're going in circles. But every good path, if you like to walk on paths, Phyllis and I love to walk on paths through the woods, Beaver Creek, mountains, wherever. We love that. We really do enjoy walking on paths and paths. They go somewhere, and they lead up and down, and they, and they, they, they have a destination. Sometimes they circle all the way around, but it's still worth the journey, you know? And, and so there's, there's a path that we're on. The Lord has us all. Like, if you're naturally alive in Jesus, then you're, you're always ascending. You're seeking. And you're, you're going. There's a circular motion to go up. And don't be disheartened about not getting there fast enough. If you can accept it, Every aspect of your journey is part of that path around this rock, over this log, through this situation, getting your feet wet, getting your knees scraped, you know, like there's, there's history to your path. And then once you learn your way around, you don't fall in the same place anymore. That's nice. You, you've learned to navigate through these things over the creek, through the, you know, and there's a natural, there's a very natural thing to our spiritual walk about doing that, ascending up, finding your way through. Who ascends into the presence of the Lord? So there's an ascending, but how do you get there? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? So, good question. This lines up perfectly with Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about coming into his presence. So we have a great foundation for here's the invitation and here's the question. Who ascends? 
How do you do this? And then it lines up with Hebrews chapter 10. Let me read the next verse and then we'll run back to that. Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive, whose words are sure. Now that can cause you to check out a little bit like, huh, I don't know if I'm that person. Like, who is that person? I'm not sure that's me. I try to get there, but I don't know that, that, that I'm that person. That person who has a pure heart, like pure motives. That one whose ways are pure. But this is us. If you, there's a sincerity, believing in Jesus, accepting, getting into grace, this is what he makes you. Remember last week I referred to Exodus chapter uh, I think it was, was, was three, uh, verses three. Um, let me just give you that um, reference. I think it's right. It's right, it's right here someplace. It's close. It's close. Um, and it must be closer than I think it's right. Oh, yes, Exodus chapter three, verse two. It was the burning bush. And Moses sees this, and he's like, turns to aside to look because it's not just a burning bush it's a bush that's on fire that doesn't get consumed and that is a perfect picture of us being on fire there's a fire in us but not a fire that it consumes because fire is very is transformation but there's nothing left of the log when the fire's done right <laughs> so that's one way we could become a burn you know an offering to the lord but at the end of that burnout there's just ashes Sometimes we've experienced that as Christians. I'm, we'll say it. I'm burnt out. <laughs> and I'm not sure there was fire. And like, I'm not sure there was an effect to the fire. But, but there's, a, there's a burning. There's the, light, the Lord wants to light us on fire, but a fire that we're not consumed, a fire that is light, a fire that burns. And, tra- and, and what's happening in fire? Fire is transformation. It changes a solid or some type of fuel into energy, heat, etc. And we want to be on fire, but we don't want to be ashes when we're done. What's that, you know? And so there, the Lord lights us on fire. He, he, he doesn't, he, there's a supernatural thing, like there's transformation. And this, this speaks of transformation, that it's going on, that it's a grace, and who ascends to this hill? Who enters into the presence of this God that's created everything? The one who's transformed and being transformed. And do not check yourself out on this. No matter what is there, you enter into grace and faith, and this is important, but you, you, it's attainable. Very important to see. It's attainable, and we really need to attain it. In verse 5, they will receive the Lord's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. So there's a great reward to attaining, ascending to the Lord and having a pure heart, purifying yourself. It's, it's you going after the issues of your life between you and Jesus. It's very significant. You see something that's, that shows up, uh, just, just turn it into prayer. Like, just turn it into committing it to the Lord. Don't grow weary in this. Don't start wearing the T-shirt. I'm a loser. <laughs> I don't, whatever, you know. Don't, you know, if that T-shirt shows up in your drawer, 
take it out, throw it, give it to Goodwill. No, just burn it. Because you don't want anybody else wearing it either. Get rid of it. Refuse to wear it. Like, come into this and, and, and ascend. Find your pathway up to this high place, to this mount, this place where the Lord's presence is. Because the presence is absolutely transforming. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, let's, let's take a look at that. This is it's perfectly in line with, with what, we ha- what we're supposed to do. And in verse 19, it begins where it's, it's how we're to enter into this. And we're to enter into this with, with this confidence. And if you're not moving into the Lord's presence and moving in before the Lord freely, then you need some lubrication. Something needs fixed. Don't, don't look at that as normal anymore. Don't look at that as, I'm just dull, I can't perceive what the Lord's saying. I'm just like not connected. Realize something's wrong, but it can be fixed. Whatever that issue is, we, we need to be able to move into his presence. And here in Hebrews chapter 19, or chapter um, 10, verses nine, starting in verse 19, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. I have, um, I speak freely about, I've been in an awakening for the last five years, having to do with the president and all that's going on with our nation, country, and I, I, I have no regrets at all, though I've emotionally been all over the place with it. And um, it, has, it, has, it has not taken me away from the Lord, it's given me revelation about the kingdom, about courageous leadership. I have all kinds of things that I've been really, really impacted by. And then this weird scenario, place where we're in where, where we believe that President Trump won, and then, but he's not, he's not in place, like not in position. It's been stolen. And we, we are longing since, you know, since, uh, you know, um, and since uh, November 3rd, like that this gets reconciled and made right, like, no, no, it's wrong. And we had the hope and promise. Watch this. We had the hope and promise of what the prophets were saying. And so we, it began among all the patriots. And we're like, maybe in 50 days. This would be exact replica of the disciples having Jesus crucified, dead, buried. They see him arise in Acts 1.11, and, and the angels come to the disciples like, why are you looking into the clouds? Um, Jesus just went up in a cloud? like, And we're like, because the same way he went up, he's coming back. So they immediately went, just like we did, maybe in 50 days. That would be about Christmas time for us, huh? What's funny, I'm remembering this, there was, expect, there was hopes and expectations that like right before Christmas, this would be resolved, he would be back. I remember all, I'm like, oh Lord Jesus, wow, 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 wow. 
The early church went through exactly this thing in losing Jesus and having him taken away from them. And then the hope and seeing the resurrection, so they're like, it's good, we're good, we're good. He's coming back. He'll get back, he'll get back in place, he'll get, come back on the planet, and everything will be well. And it won't be well until, like, I, I find myself, I want my president back, like, at any, on any given day, like, it's my utter, I'm utter this prayer, You're like, I want my president back. I, I don't know about the rest of this nonsense, but I want my president, I want him back in place, because it felt a whole lot better with him in place. And how much more the early church, this is why I say, I've, I never experienced that before with anything or anyone, but I sure am experiencing it now. But it's making me so much more fond of Jesus. I have revelation, like I know, I, I realize what's happening. I'm like, and I, I'm always praying, Lord, this, I need to have this about you. Because I've had the same disappointment and long range, like not experiencing things. And pretty soon you're just like quoting the things you know you're supposed to believe, but you're not talking, you're not really connected with it. That's not good. You don't have to go jump off a bridge or anything. Like, just stay here and just kind of fix that. Hang on. Go, huh, that needs change. Yeah. And I, and I realized like the hope deferred and the disappointment and pretty soon... You start coping with it, and that's what we've done with the second coming of Jesus. So from the beginning of his, from his, these days, they waited. I'm telling you, all the New Testament believers, they were convinced soon and very soon. That was the language of the Bible. Soon and very soon, he's coming back. Here we are, 2,000 years later, still soon and very soon. Like, kind of lost our fire and zeal for that. And then you start trying to figure it out. That's bad. Another mysteries in the scripture, I love people that just sincerely go after revealing. And a lot of this was hidden for good reason. But to come back and to realize that there's this free access, this place of entering into the holy place and in verse 21, it says, And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him, for our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Whew! That's good news. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. That's a great thing to arrive at, to be able to go before the Lord with no hindrance at all. No sheepishness, no apologizing, no negotiating. Has that, anybody ever approached you with a negotiation and you're right away like, stop. I don't know what you're selling, right? You're like, no, I got, no, no. How bad is it that we, we would approach the Lord like that with negotiations, promises? I'll do this if you do that. Like, he's like, really? Is that how you talk to your father? How about you just ask me, you just ask for mercy, and let's see what I'll do with that. How about you just come to me believing that I will You'll have me right here. 
right? Just come to me believing that I'll answer, that I will come and see what I will do. You'll move me faster by that than anything else that you could possibly do. So back to um, Psalms 34. 24. That too. Verse 5, they will receive the Lord's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God for they seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. So there's pleasure in his presence. There's something to tap into that is priceless. And when we live our lives not tapping into that, It makes us a very dull boy. Is life rolling out of you? Or is something else rolling out of you? The invitation to come, to ascend to the Lord's presence and to come into it is, is a very valid invitation. It's, it's, it's something we're invited to come into. And, and I wouldn't let anything hinder me from that, and yet we do allow things, the worries of this life, that hinders us. The striving, the, the things that we get involved in, the, the stuff we take up. I spent some time looking back at Paul's words in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, where he's like, <clears throat> I mean, great attitude. He's like, <clears throat> I don't pay attention to anybody, anybody judging me. I don't pay attention to Facebook or any comments they make on there. I don't even judge myself. What? I mean, it's the greatest thing. I've gone back to this a thousand times. It's like, I don't even judge myself. Like, got that thing, like, someone's criticized you. You're second-guessing what you're doing, why you're doing it. I just had a, somebody do this to me recently. And I ha, I'm like, I can't, I'm mature now, so I have a mature way of dealing with it, <laughs> you know. But if it gets in, it still causes you to get like, okay, am I good? I'm all, and I'm like, I have, I have a story. The Lord, and it's a story the Lord's writing in my life by why I'm where I am, what I, why I do what I do. There's a story. There's a thing that I'm doing. And there's a reason I do it. And, and so you, you learn to stand before the Lord and the Lord alone. That's very liberating. It's very, very great. I stand before you, Lord. I stand before you and you alone. I have a clear conscience from you. I have a clear thing from you that I'm good, that you've called me, that you've chosen me. And so I'm going to... Um, I'm going to stop and pull and, and, and save the rest of this because there's this whole embracing of, of Jesus coming back that is so neat to do of him, of who he said and what he said. And we can disperse with all the hindrances and all the figuring out and, 
and just let him come. Let me, let me whet your appetite with this one thing. There's this, I'll mess you up a little bit, maybe, maybe not, doesn't matter, but there's a theory. How many of you have heard, if you research this on DuckDuckGo or Google, I don't trust Google for anything, but um, called Planet X. How many of you have heard of Planet X for real? Like, are we with me? Do you know anything about Planet X? Okay. It'll probably ruin your day, but look it up. Planet X, the theory of this, is this large, large, large planet is coming at us sometime in the future. It is an end-of-life extinction event, that kind of thing, you know? That even if it doesn't hit Earth, this is the theory, this is the story. A lot of people are watching, listening to this. Even if it comes close to the Earth, it will have such an effect on us that it will really mess up things. Okay. Just the, the picture is all I want you to think about. The picture of something coming that's way away and very large, but it's so, it's so far away you can't reach it, touch it, even really research it very well, that it, it is coming towards us. And I went... That's what the second coming's like. It never changes. Jesus is coming back. The king is coming. And when you look at this uh, description in the rest of this chapter, who is the king of glory? The king of glory is coming. And every time that we worship, regardless of figuring out the details, Every time we worship, every time we pray, every time we lift up our heads, we're pulling him towards us. Now, it sounds odd, but yet it's not. It's very scriptural. Like this expectation that he's coming and this expectation, and we just because of the disappointments and the teachings that we like or don't like, that there's still, it doesn't change this. The Bible's full of this, and Revelations ends with this, come quickly, Lord Jesus, like lots, lots, I'm coming quickly, I'm coming quickly, I'm coming quickly. How many other ways can I say that? I'm coming quickly. And that was 2,000 years ago, and so we're still holding the line, still believing for this, and, and all of our, just like with the president, all the pathways that we thought this is how it's going to work out, they all had to get extinguished, and they did. Pretty well, pretty quickly. Like, mm, 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 mm. that didn't work, that didn't work. That didn't happen, this didn't happen. And yet we, we stand and believe what the prophets say, what we believe the Lord's going to do. Same way with Jesus returning. We check out, we, can't, we go, I don't know how. I don't understand it, but it needs to be part. It's got to be back in our language. It's got to be back in our Revel our, our realm, our sphere of understanding. And the, I want to develop the longing for Jesus to come back, just like I'm develop, just like I have this longing for the president to come back. That I have a, a long because when he comes, bam, things are set in place. And meanwhile, we occupy till he comes. When Jesus comes back, there's there's so much. So big, it will set things. I don't want to. I don't want to go on without Jesus coming back, coming into place. 
on whatever, all of the stuff. So if you catch yourself checking out on something and you catch yourself not entering into that place freely, then realize that's not natural. We need to keep in a place pure heart, pure conscience, and it's attainable through repentance and believing and letting the transformation happen in our hearts that we can be free from worry, free from all the stuff, all the junk, the anxiety, the condemnation, the shame, where we can establish this thing by making that ascension, that pathway to get to, to the heights of where he is. We come in freely, that we ask freely, that we come immediately into his presence. And I believe that we can do that. So let's pray today. Father, so many things on our minds and hearts. And you ask this question, who can ascend to the hill except the one that has a pure heart? This one that purifies himself would come before you with repentance and would come before you with laying up, being honest uh, and laying it out before you, our struggles, so that we can get relief from these things that continually hinder us, that hang on us. The dread, the shame, the regret. I ask that you truly give us a new day. Every one of us keep us fresh. Keep us fresh. Make our hearts true. Seal us with your truth, with your words. Eradicate all the false language in our minds and hearts. Eradicate the voice of condemnation. Eradicate the voice of judgment. Eradicate the voice and the urges of envy and of jealousy and of anxiety. We want you to be our strength. We want the joy of the Lord to be our strength. And let it come back into our language, back into our belief system, Jesus is coming that it doesn't mean a doctrine or a teaching. It means a person's coming back. It means a presence is coming that will make everything okay. So awaken us as the psalmist cried out, awaken. Lift up your heads. the king of glory, so that the king of glory can come in. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Good. God bless you. Enjoy the day.